it was a witch's curse. I think it was my own... Uh... Witch's curse. No. <laughs> I think it was my own doing. Oh. Weather. Pretty cold today. Yeah. You know why? Witch's curse? Witch's curse. True. True. They were like, you can't have 20 degree weather anymore. Curse. Everything that's wrong in your life. Witch's, witch's curse. curse. Yeah. Or the devil. Well, yeah, yeah. They go together. Yeah, they do. You're so cursed. They call you Kirsty Alley. <laughs> cursed and dunced? Oh, yeah. That goes with last episode. You're so cursed and give wooden performances that they call you Kirsten Stewart. <laughs> Is her name Kirsten or Kristen? It's Kristen. Is it? Oh, okay, I don't yeah. actually know. And Kristen Dunst. No, it's Kirsten Dunst. Is it Kirsten? Yeah, for sure. Oh. That one I'm sure of. Okay. I don't know about Stewart, though. <laughs> Should we just start the podcast? We don't have anything funny at the beginning. Not of this time. really. I don't feel very funny this right is now. This a serious podcast today. So serious, serious, like a witch's curse. Oh, that is very <laughs> serious. Well, welcome everyone to a very special Spooktober episode. Ooh. There it is. Of I love this. You should too. I am your host who loves to live deliciously, Indy Randawa. And with me is my lovely co-host who loves the taste of butter, Samantha Randawa. Yeah, I thought that was funny that there was like, would you like to taste butter? <laughs> As well, like a, a temptation. I, I I have a little insight because you know how I know a bunch of useless stuff. Yeah. Uh, in <laughs> the 17th century, tasting butter was a, a sin. Oh, yeah, they, that was outlawed by the church. But that's like something that's naturally made from processing milk. Are you going to say like, hey, the church was being illogical. Yeah, okay. And also in England, it was a sin for poor people, but not a sin for rich people. Almost like the church is... Uh, Dumb? Yeah. I was going <laughs> to say it's just an establishment to make sure that the... Um, rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. And uh, the patriarchy and all yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, all that. Well, this is actually probably kind of a good intro. Probably. Because we are going to be talking about the film The Witch from 2015, a New England folktale. Mm-hmm. And this was my pick, something that I really liked. And I brought it to Samantha, who has never seen it before, because that's what we do on this podcast. Yeah. And we're going to get into it. Uh, we are not just going to tell you what happened to the movie you should watch the movie yeah but we are gonna get into i think we analyze things right yeah this absolutely. is an analysis podcast it's not just a review podcast but we expect you to do your homework first. yes and i think what we were talking about at the beginning probably gives you a good sense of how a lot of at least my analysis is going to go because i tend to have a kind of a feminist reading on a lot of things especially something like this yes which Seems like it's very much at the forefront. Yeah. And I'm not the most uh, pro-Puritan church person either. Yeah. I feel like we're going to have a lot of things that we agree on this this episode. There are so many places where we could start this discussion. But I think what we have to do first is... The classic. The classic. I had seen this movie once in theaters. Really liked it. I talked about it on the last episode, Mm -hmm. but the people at the theater warned me that this is a terrible movie and everyone hates it. I thought it was very good. I watched it once again, maybe last year, maybe two years ago for the thing of the week that we did on this podcast. And Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, it was very good. Then we watched it again last week. And you know what? It gets better for me with every subsequent ah. watch i think it peaked at the last watch i loved it so my answer is yes i still love this but <laughs> it is a new movie to you samantha so 
I love this movie. Did you? Um. Oh, <laughs> I know where it's going already. I liked it. There it is. It wasn't like my absolute favorite movie ever. I didn't love it. Well, I imagined it wouldn't be your favorite ever, but it's not even at that eight out of 10 for you. I think it was like a seven out of seven 10. Seven out of 10. I'm sorry. Ooh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel don't bad. apologize to me. I feel bad. That's, but that's it was what just... this podcast is for. Yeah. To disagree. And then I try to convince you why actually this movie is pretty great. <laughs> um, yeah. I definitely think that it had uh, a great like story. And I think they did a really good job with like a large part of it. But I just can't upgrade to love. I'm sorry. Do you know what is holding you back? Are there issues you have with this movie? No, maybe we'll get into that like as we're discussing things, but mm-hmm. like I don't, I can, nothing comes to mind right away. It was like it was just a little slow paced, and I get why it's slow because it is like creepy, scary, and it's like a slow, scary plot all the way through. But I just, uh, I don't know, maybe you need a little more action in there. I needed just something else, mm-hmm. and then when there was action, it was so quick that like it didn't really. I wanted the action to last a little longer, I guess. That is one of uh, probably the top three main criticisms of this movie, always, is that it's just slow. So before I was like, yeah, it's slow, but... But now I'm like, it's not slow. It moves. This is a short movie, and I I don't know what scene I would cut out of this. I think it could have been longer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just feel like it just needed something more. For me to like really love it. And I don't know what that thing is, but maybe maybe I'll figure it out while we discuss. And I think it depends a lot on what you are taking away from this movie. I'm not someone who's going to say that this is the right reading and this is the wrong reading. But I do feel like how you look at this movie makes you feel different ways about it. Mm -hmm. Because on my first watch going in completely blind, I was like, okay, spooky horror movie. Oh, it's it's quite slow. Yeah. And upon my most recent watch, I knew the story already and I was kind of more going along with the character of Thomason. I because I knew that she's the protagonist and I was really focusing on her a lot more, which the movie invites you to do because she's the only one that she talks essentially directly to camera a couple yeah. of times. She looks right into camera. So I should have picked up on that earlier that we should be following her journey. And when you're following the journey of this girl who is pulled out of her home not once but twice uh everyone in her life turns on her in one way or another she's blamed for everything that movie moves quickly there is always something in service of that story and i think maybe i latched onto that story a lot more uh, in uh, subsequent viewings and that's why it felt like it did not lag at all to me Hmm. okay yeah i'm interested to hear um kind of your takes on the movie because I I did really enjoy it approaching it from someone who knows quite a bit about like the Salem witch trials and um the like religious reform in Europe and what caused the Puritans to leave Europe and that kind of thing so I'm I'm really interested to hear your take on it. And I'm sure we're going to talk about the witch trials oh, yeah. a, a bit throughout yeah. this because how could you not but To set things up, I think there's one thing that I always forget about when talking about the witch trials, 
and maybe it's different for different people, but for someone who is uh, not of the Christian faith and all of the witch trial things seemed uh, silly to me, of mm. course. Although there's, I think there's some people who still believe like, yeah, they were witches. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, so first of all, <laughs> I, I didn't think that we would have to say like, oh yeah, we don't believe that the witches in Salem were witches. No. They were just um, people in the wrong place at the wrong time. They yeah. were scapegoats. They were women and possibly mentally ill people. Yeah. And people who just like didn't fit in with Puritan society, which is okay. Or just one person didn't like. Yeah. That's all it needed yeah. to have. But um, I, I feel like we need to say that because... In the last year, I'm not as up on uh, American politics, but they don't have a House of Commons. They have a House of Representatives, I believe. Yes. But in the in whatever it was, uh, demons are brought up. Like there are what? elected officials who talk about demons, like literal demons. Like not in... not in spirit of like oh the the demon of poverty. They believe that there are literal demons. So that's a thing in to a large portion of uh, of the world. Yeah. People do believe in literal demons. And that brings me back to what I was talking about. There's something that I always forget about in that time. Because I look on it as this is what happens with uh, unchecked power. Yeah. This is what happens when people are just trying to persecute others. Yeah. But to a lot of people and to many people at the time, they believed it. Yes. Yeah. They believed that there were literal demons out there that could that are just waiting for you to let your guard down and then mm -hmm. they're going to get you. Yeah, I always find this level of religiousness to be like shocking and I think it has to do with like the world that we live in now because there's it, it doesn't permeate every facet of our lives, right? Like no, especially not us. No, I feel like back then I just can't imagine just being miserable because your god says to like those those are the rules oh that i can believe way more because i'm i'm you know how i live my life i'm yeah. very willing to be miserable if it's in service of something that i think is for the greater good right like look at how i eat and exercise True. i don't enjoy any of that but no. i feel like it's for some sort of greater good. right so i could definitely see that but the idea of walking around and being like, there might be a demon mm -hmm. in that forest. Being an adult and thinking yes. there might be a demon that could get me, that's terrifying. It's like the original don't go into the woods. How do you, how could you live your life? And to people now, I always want to ask if you are someone who believes in, uh, there's people who believe in literal heaven and hell and yeah. they're going to go and all of that sort of stuff. And that's all well and good. Yeah. Well, usually it's all well and good. Yeah. But uh, I think if it's not hurting anyone else. It always shocks me that there can be someone who's like, oh, yeah, you'll go to hell for that. But then they don't know the entirety of the Bible. Yes. Like if I believed that if I do something wrong according to this book, I will meet a literal devil mm -hmm. and live in a place of literal fire. I would know every word of that book. Oh, totally, totally. How and do you not inform yourself? <laughs> so very well versed in all of it and be able to like back up your thinking. But you know what? I think it's definitely going to come up, but I think we should try not to just be like, yeah, and America today. <laughs> yeah, no. Because there's enough people doing that. Oh, what totally. we want to do is really get into uh into this movie absolutely so I, I brought that up just to put us in that position that mindset of yes there is literal demon actual <laughs> devil that is out there that is just trying to get you yeah constantly and i 
And we live a life that's so far removed from that. Yeah. That this movie, I think, does a better job of putting us in that place than any other movie to me. Mm-hmm. It makes me understand that religious fear like no other movie can. Because I think most other movies will look at a witch trial as being just a man looking for an excuse to kill a woman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because that's uh, usually that's what kind of what it was. Yeah. Um yeah, I think this movie does a really good job of that and um it does kind of bring you into the world really well and really show you what life was like for them. I feel like a lot of movies um that take on like this subject matter and maybe not like this specific subject matter but like so the Salem witch trials or something they gloss over a lot of like the hardships of their lives by moving to a completely different continent in a place where there was no infrastructure and just how hard their lives were as well as all of the like religious repression no European infrastructure at least yes yeah I just meant they moved away from like full cities of like English style homes and everything and glass Thomasina talks about like glass windows and that kind of thing and I really enjoyed that they brought through those like hardships that they would have faced based on their choices and I think that's probably the uh, the third villain or uh, problem of the movie is the land right mm-hmm. we have the supernatural we have this family dynamic and then it's just the wilderness yeah And I think there's a criticism of this movie in people saying that this is a movie that proves the witch accusers right, because in this movie there is a literal witch. Yeah. But I think that's far too simple. I definitely don't think Eggers believes that the Salem witch trials were just. I think what he's doing here is what we were talking about. He's putting us in the position of those people. He's saying, imagine a world where the devil coming and seducing you and your family is a legitimate threat. And because that's what the time people mm-hmm. of the time believed. And that's what's actually happening in this movie. Like it is literal. Or I guess we can debate that later. <laughs> but of course, the, the witch trials, we'll both agree, at least both of us, that this was just scapegoating and a little bit of mass hysteria and yeah. groupthink and all of that. But this is able to give you the feel of what the witch trial movies that I've seen can't do because mm-hmm. it's putting you in the place of fear of those people not the part that's much less fun when it's just people being terrible to other people yes yeah and i love that this movie kind of distills so many things down like you can see this as you could see this family as a microcosm for the witch trials at all and of course we can talk about how the witch trials then are kind of a microcosm of what america became to be but it's such a nice distillation because here we have um the family who was too pure for the Puritans, so they're removed, just as yeah. the Puritans were too pure for England, England. and then they left. <laughs> yeah. And then they had to go to this uh, unknown world and face all those hardships there. And then the family is just doing that on a little micro form as well. And then we also get, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, that all the different ways women are blamed for the failings in society. I feel like the writer, oh, Eggers as well, has done a great job of trying to include so much of that within that one family. We get to see those representations of 
well, this is how it usually goes on a grand scale yeah. of um, like the Western world, and mm-hmm. here it is on a tiny scale of this one little family. Yeah, I um, I liked the uh, kind of simplification of it because it is kind of a big concept to grasp when you think about like an entire town and all of that. But this was really cool to see it just happen amongst like. Was it like seven people? Seven people, yeah. Six mostly. Six mostly, yeah. The baby isn't really in the movie, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I liked the simplification of it for sure. Well, let's. I was gonna say let's get into it. We've actually been talking for a while already, <laughs> but let's really get into it. Let's get right and into let's it. talk about different ways to read this movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna ask you what you think. Okay. Like what what is actually happening, what is being said here? Because I love how this movie plays with ambiguity and different possible readings. Like yeah. it's not Oh, there no, you go, go ahead. ahead. I was just agreeing with you. It's not a movie where one person says something and the other person says something else and you have to believe what's real. It's it's quite explicit in a lot of ways. And often we're not wondering like, oh, what actually happened? Like, what actually happened to the baby? We see what happens to yeah. the baby. It's very explicit. Very graphic. And at the end, we don't really wonder, or maybe we do. I don't want to tell you how you're going to read it, but we probably won't wonder if witches are real at the end of this movie. Right. In the movie's world, we see the main character becoming a witch. Yeah. But still, with all of that, there's still a lot of room for debate, a lot of ambiguity. And I feel like how it presents itself, not just being unreliable narrators or something like that, it's a lot more fun. There's so many different readings, and I think we'll get into them right now, but the way it presents itself by showing you the same things, like we can both see the same things and take away the same literal story from it, Mm -hmm. but read into it very differently. Because I can see so many readings towards this (laughs) and even little things. I always want to ask, what do you think about this? So let's start getting into that a little bit. Do you have a kind of a, just a overall base reading of this movie? Yeah, I um one of the things that like really stood out to me and obviously I was watching this from Thomason's uh like perspective. Um she's a very compelling character and she's very easy to like get behind kind of. Like they make it really easy for you to watch it from her perspective. Um one of the like, themes that I found really interesting and like enjoyed in the movie um was the idea of children getting to an age where they start to question their worlds and that's like a big thing in like modern religion too is that like a lot of children get to an age where they have their own thoughts and they're experiencing the world a little bit more and then they're suddenly questioning everything that they've been told up until then and especially in like extreme religion uh you see a lot of Um, people who are like 15, 16 to like 18 who are seeing things for themselves now and are starting to question their way of life. And so it's really interesting to see Thomason and her brother, Caleb, um, starting to like work out for themselves this world that they live in. And I really liked um, the way that they kind of dealt with that. And I feel like you see Caleb um being interested in 
kind of what's under his sister's shift because he doesn't like I he's probably never had those thoughts before or like lived in a society where that's okay and um you get Thomason who is starting to kind of think for herself and realize that um it's like kind of opposite to what her whole religion you hear that prayer at the beginning of her saying like I've sinned I've like talk back to my parents I've you know been idle I've um like said I'm doing something but I haven't and like that kind of thing and those are like total normal teenage girl things yeah and um you can see her kind of starting to think of like but why is this wrong and that's uh kind of an interesting thing that this movie brings up I never really looked at that part of it very much but it's definitely all there even right at the beginning when they are excommunicated or mm-hmm. whatever it is. They all leave and Thomason stays there for a second. Yeah. Being like, so that's kind of the, she's not a, a defiant character no. by any means. Well, until maybe the end end. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, how could she not be? But she stays just for a little bit more. And then her brother has to like bring her along. Just showing the, the slightest little thing that she's a little bit away from her family. Yeah. And she's the first one. She's the only one who we see kind of confessing. Mm-hmm. And all of her confessions were the things you were saying, which are not They're bad not in the grand scheme. Like, yeah. And then the actual sins that the rest of her family has, we can see the, the terrible effects they have, yeah. but there's no confession for those ones. There's no, no type of repentance. Oh, I guess the father does have that moment where he's talking he's, directly to God and yeah. saying, uh, talking about his pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I liked her journey and I guess Caleb's journey too through um kind of self-discovery of having your own thoughts on things I found that really interesting so normally I have these very convoluted and complex readings on it Uh my big reading for this one is quite simply if you're a woman everyone's gonna blame you for everything anyway so you might as well have some fun yeah exactly that seems like what it comes down to but it's uh it's funny that we are both kind of on the same page of a lot of this because again i tried to read about this movie uh-huh. and i really disliked everything i read so i never went <laughs> any further but a lot of the readings were about how thomason was evil this entire time and I didn't get that at all. I don't think so. And then people are like, oh, yeah, and this bitch, Rune. And it's like, I think you are the people that this movie is being made about. Yes, You absolutely. are on the wrong side You're of this. You're blaming her for it. Because that's exactly what everyone does in this movie. Everyone turns on her in a way that mirrors how society, in one way or another, uh, is failing women in general. Like the father looks at her as just a source of labor and then he's going to sell her off as a servant slash mother slash wife because also servant slash mother slash wife is a job. It is all of those. Those are things are all kind of together to to them. Right. I guess I don't want to blame him too much because he actually doesn't want to but no. that is kind of his role right and he they have He's to been because put role. the family doesn't have what they need in order to survive and selling off your daughter is the easiest way to um get back on track with the lord and also with money yeah and, and then when she confronts him about being a, a hypocrite uh and rightfully so because yeah. he was uh, he calls her a bitch and he throws her down and I don't think we have to draw a parallel between each one of these points. No. Of like, look how it still happens. We all know, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're Absolutely. all on the same page, so that's still <laughs> happening all the time. 
And then the mother has this jealousy once she feels that Thomason is in a role where she can usurp her own power. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, you've been um, a source of lust for your brother and for your father. And she has done nothing. She no. just looks as she looks. And she's being blamed for other people looking at her. Yeah. Which, again, we don't really need to draw a parallel between no. today, right? We all know that. Oh, we all know. <laughs> okay. I feel like there's people that don't know. True. So if you don't know, that happens all the time. People, 100%. women are blamed for being too attractive, yeah. essentially. Like, how dare you look like that? It distracted me. Not, yeah. why am I distracted and og- ogling you? Yeah. That goes from school dress codes yep. all the way to you had it coming and that's why you got attacked. Yep. Um, I think Caleb doesn't ever turn his back on her. I think no. he is a good character. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not good character. They're all good characters. He is a good person. His character is a good person. Yeah. But you can see that he is kind of at the beginning of starting to see women as sexual objects, right? Mm -hmm. It is, of course, at the beginning because he's a relatively innocent young boy. Mm -hmm. But he's also being kind of groomed by his father to be the next next patriarch. Man of the house, yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what you need to be. And then the children use her as a scapegoat, Mm -hmm. which is ironic because the actual perpetrator is a a real goat. (laughs) And then even the baby, like the ba- you can't blame the baby for anything. No. But to the baby, she is just a caregiver and mm-hmm. nothing more. Yeah. And that's how she is seen to a lot of the family. And you're just going to get blamed for everything anyways. So you might as well have some fun and be a witch. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that reading is kind of what I took away from it uh-huh. upon our most recent viewing. And then on another very simple but fun and maybe more complicated when you really look at reading it's being a puritan sucks having fun with the devil seems kind of sweet in yeah, this movie it seems way better than being a puritan you if you just take away the first 15 minutes where we see a baby get like yeah all guacamole'd up and rubbed all over then the witches don't do anything too bad so then you're like yeah i'm on the witches team yeah. because really the puritans are seem pretty terrible. So one thing that I kind of took from this, um, and I think this is just from like doing a lot of reading of people like escaping cults or extreme religion, um, is that the instance of leaving a cult or extreme religion um, and then getting sucked into another extreme religion is like really, really common. Oh, yeah. Because you're looking for that organization. And I thought about that in the terms of like she runs to a coven, which is like kind of just another religion, right? Like, yeah. and so it's I. It's just another small cult, like the yeah, one she was just Exactly. In. So I thought that that was really interesting that they. That's true. That she ends up kind of going to another like organized religion that is um it's like it's a said to be bad but it is basically the same thing um and i thought that that was really interesting it seems like at points you could make an argument that this movie is saying that uh puritanical culture is the villain and satanism is the hero (laughs) but i don't think that's it because we have all the you know the baby mash yeah i could see that argument though for sure it seems like for 75% of the movie, that is yeah. the case. And I also feel like if 
a religious person watched this, they'd be like, yeah. And she let her guard down for a little bit, became a witch. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> like you... Instantly became a witch. And this seems to have those kind of Calvinist beliefs of like, you are evil. You mm-hmm. are a sinner already. And all you can do is constantly work on trying to... Uh, win god's grace yeah but they're also like fatalists so your salvation is already predetermined i think i don't understand it it doesn't make sense to me but a lot it's not for me calvinism is not for me (laughs) (laughs) well we can check that one off the checklist (laughs) i also think puritanism is not for me no are there still puritans I don't think they're called Puritans anymore, but I think you can draw a line from the Puritans to so many other like current denominations. It's a pretty straight line from Puritan to Southern Baptist. Yeah. A a lot of them, really. I guess there's like the Amish and stuff who still live a lot like that. Like very similarly with just like a few modern updates, but like stuff like that, um, I guess still exists. Yeah. Really, evangelicals have a lot of this stuff still True. Very true. I think you couldn't survive because of how uh, uncozy the clothes are, mostly. I know. I was looking at what they were wearing, and I was like... Oh, doesn't it seem like the worst? Like, you would be so much faster and more comfortable if you were just wearing, like, leggings and a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. Of course, that's that would be your reading. Yeah. Everything just looks so scratchy. And, of course, because it's Eggers, it's all hand-woven and appropriate materials to the time, so it probably was terrible. Oh, it probably felt awful. Like your skin would just constantly be red. Yeah. You don't have any lotion. No. Oh my God. No. And like. I couldn't live in a pre lotion society. (laughs) (laughs) But with all the the clothing talk, it does seem that in this movie, it's it seems so apparent to us because, of course, the clothes are so big and bulky, Mm -hmm. but nudity is like a, a point of freedom. In this movie, right? It's constantly used like that. First, we can see... I think there's only two indigenous people we see. Yeah, uh, they like walk by at the town. Yeah, and they're bare-chested and presumably flourishing because, you know, they know how to do things (laughs) there. They're doing well. Or at least they have been until, you know, the Puritans arrive. (laughs) Um, The baby is naked at the beginning. Well, I guess that's not a good thing because then it's getting sacrificed. The witches, of course, are Are naked naked and free, and they're seemingly flourishing as well. The brother returns naked before he dies. Mm -hmm. And he's, um, like, bewitched at that point, so. And you see, he seems to die in a state of euphoria, though. Yeah, yeah, that was really interesting um, that he seemed to, like, enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that a very Puritan thing that you're now going to God, right? Yeah. That life is terrible and you hate it and everyone hates it, but then you get uh, eternal heaven heaven afterwards. So I guess that makes sense for him too. Yeah, I guess. And then, of course, Thomason is nude when she leaves the family and uh, joins the witches. Yeah, because she's chosen a new cult. To go live deliciously. Yeah. I like that he tempted her with a pretty dress. Because that probably would have gotten me too. (laughs) I'd be like, yeah, I want a pretty dress. (laughs) I want to live deliciously and see the world. I want butter and a dress. Yeah. I'm in. I think this is the second podcast where your uh, introduction name had to do with eating butter. Probably. I can't remember the other one, but it was recent. (laughs) I love butter. It's my favorite. 
And then another reading one could have of this is that many of the signs of sorcery and the supernatural are actually hallucinations and poisoning. Mm -hmm. Have you you probably know about yeah. the actual um, witch trial stuff yeah. and the theory of this? And how like the way that they were storing their grain was causing a certain kind of um, like bacteria or mold or something. Ergot. Ergot, yeah. And it was causing like mass hysteria, basically, or hallucinations and causing uh, a certain number of the population to act out in a way uh, that would signify ergot poisoning. So ergot poisoning would cause hallucinations and convulsions. And it could be easily argued that that would fuel hysteria. And you could say that maybe things like uh, William's obsession with chopping wood Mm -hmm. would be part of that, that kind of mania. Yeah. The mom's idea of uh, nursing her dead children, that hallucination she has. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That could be that too. Uh, Caleb has hallucinations and uh, then convulsions. Yeah. And then eventually the way the family turns on each other and starts attacking people. Yeah, and the way that the um, the little kids are hearing Oh, that's true, yeah. The goat talk. Yeah. I feel like that. But yeah, that's like a a thing that makes a lot of sense about uh, the Salem witch trials and this this time period is that because of the way that they lived and everybody was working together for like the greater good of the community, everything would have been stored together. So they all would have been eating this like moldy bread grain. And then when she flies at the end, yeah. is that a hallucination or perhaps she's gone mad with grief yeah. and is just sort of looking for some sort of liberation and it's all in her mind. What do you think about that? I think I like the idea that she like revolts against this puritanical religion and decides to just be free and goes to be a witch. Yeah. I I'm like on the that I like the you. literal witch um interpretation of this movie. Mm -hmm. That there's like that's just what happens in the forest. That's what happens in the forest? You yeah. just turn into a witch? There's just like witches and you just get turned into a witch. That sounds nice. <laughs> it seems fun. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> Except for, you know what gets me though? What? The baby grinding. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. I'd love to fly, but I don't think I could grind a baby to do it. No, I don't, totally couldn't do that. I could eat a chicken. Like raw? No. <laughs> barbecue no that's not that's not how you become a witch i think it involves a lot of like raw body fluids whose animal hmm. i assume which fluid milk no. i could do that no blood. raw milk yes i'm in i, I will be a witch i think around. there's a lot of like blood and guts and um just body parts depending on the body parts i might be in <laughs> okay like, I ate chicken thighs the other day. No, but like uncooked. I don't see how cooking it is going to ruin it. I don't think they're eating raw chickens. I don't know. I think they're more... Um, Isn't that like a voodoo thing where they're like bite off heads of chickens? Um, I think, and of course, not a voodoo uh, expert. Yeah. I think you're conflating uh, geeks who were carnival sideshows who would bite the heads off chickens oh. and voodoo, which does rely on a lot of chicken blood and chicken sacrifice. Oh, but okay. I don't believe you're consuming it. 
they also have a thing. Oh, I forget the word now. There's this very specific. I got really into researching a bunch of this way long ago. <laughs> um, there's this one type where you create a, it's a type of altar. And someone out there is going to know about this specific type of voodoo. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of like putrid things and things do rot in there, but you're not consuming them. Okay. Okay. And as for witches, I don't know. Were they consuming a lot of raw chickens? All you witches out there, write in. <laughs> Let me know. The witch stuff I know about does not involve eating raw chickens. Okay. I think there might be some sacrificing and some blood stuff. Yeah. And like the um, the broom part or the pole. Did you see that when she kind of rubbed the pole with baby business? Yeah. And then did what with a pole? Flew. Before that. Oh, I didn't see I didn't want to say it. <laughs> she's kind of, kind of um, she's not masturbating with it, but she is rubbing her vulva on the uh, yeah. on the pole right. with the baby stuff. Oh, okay. So that is something that, of course, everything about uh, witchcraft from this time is 80% scared people making stuff up. Yes. But there is some like actual paganism that kind of gets uh, mixed in, mixed into yeah. this. So who knows? Yeah. But the popular belief is, well, the Puritan belief is that they would rub Guts. dead babies or whatever else on their broom to make them fly. And then there's a lot of belief that this comes from an actual practice where people would rub, I'm not sure what, uh, something that could be a hallucinogenic and they would rub that on their pole, and a woman would actually rub it on her vulva, and from that, absorb the hallucinogenic oh. and like trip out and have like a good party around the fire. Right, like that was an actual thing. Oh. So I think those two things kind of got conflated together because right. someone who is scared of a, a devil being everywhere is going to see a naked woman around a fire and be like, "Yeah, eat babies, totally." Total baby eater there. And I feel like a lot of their beliefs about witches were rumor. Oh, of course. Like someone was like, oh, One person says it and everyone's like, yeah, I saw that too. I heard one time or like my neighbor back in England said. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden it's like, no, this is what witches are. <laughs> and then it's just known. And I feel like a large portion of uh, the puritanical culture is just rumors. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because, again, we both believe... That there weren't witches doing all of these things. Nope. So how did that start? Just one person said it and everyone else was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. Let's let's go with that. Yeah. And a lot of the witch stuff, we can get a little bit into witch history. And we're not going to give like a big full history. But I think what we can talk about a little bit about is because this movie, I would argue, and I think you're with me, mm-hmm. is a lot about how women are blamed from for things and their power is taken away in any way that is uh, is possible. Yeah. That's what people yeah. are trying to do. That's what uh, organizations like the church or whatever, in this case, just the church and then the family unit mm-hmm. is doing all these patriarchal structures that are trying to do. And the belief in witches definitely comes from that. Of course, this is all more uh, Europe than in what's present day America, because that's where the real witch trials were. Like in Germany is where the, the vast majority of mm-hmm. actual witch trials were. But it often came down to women who were practicing some sort of healing. That's right. where a lot of this comes yes. from. Whether it's a birth control of some form or midwifery. Midwifery. Is that what the word yeah. would be? Midwifery. Yeah. Uh, 
Because so many religious groups, like the Puritans, believe that the pain a woman feels in childbirth yeah. is a punishment for the sins of Eve, which, which is so fucked up, it's first so of fucked all. Up. So that if someone is trying to lessen that pain, it is a crime against God in their mind, right? So these beliefs are definitely present in this movie, and I don't want to go too much into it, but you can see how it's carried over into the modern Western world where in so much of America, birth control is now um, illegal yeah, in so many yeah, different absolutely. ways. Things that give women autonomy over their own bodies or any sort of empowerment are seen as evil or a threat mm -hmm. or straight out illegal in a lot of states. And there's so many religions now that like the way to keep women complacent and within the religion is to keep them pregnant. Right, that's yeah. Because you can't leave if you're like pregnant and um, tied to a religion. So, yeah. and then you can look at all of this uh, distrust of medicine going back to uh, Europe and the mm -hmm. birth of witches and how that has gone over to the Christian right in in our time and their distrust of medicine and science. Like, mm -hmm. There's there's a straight line there. That's oh, all totally. coming from the totally. same thing, and it's. Uh, scary to uh to see that the witch trial stuff is perfectly well and alive mm -hmm. today absolutely and then the presentation of witches is always they're either one of two things right they're the hideous hag or they're the beautiful seductress mm -hmm. just like in so much religious text they are and, you know, movies, uh, modern society, in so many ways, they're either the virgin or the whore, right? Yes. We don't have uh, the middle ground for yep. female characters in movies a lot of the time, nope. just as with uh, witches. And yeah. I kind of loved the presentation of witches in this movie because you can't, I can't think of the last time I saw a straight up witch, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. witch is something that's kind of so old and overdone that if you're doing something with a witch in it, you have to have like a, this is a new take on it. Yeah. This is wicked. What if we're seeing it? It's a musical, but it's from the point of view of the wicked witch. That's a fun, new, interesting thing. Yeah. To go straight like this movie does with a straight up like cackling old crone witch, mm -hmm. which I haven't seen in a long time. And they go straight they for do. that. And just like with the, the goat, like, oh, who is the, the evil presence here? Is it the black goat that looks like a devil yeah it yeah, is yeah yeah it totally is <laughs> it's so straightforward and i i really appreciate that about this movie because it's not working on surprising you in that way mm -hmm. just like how when we start off this movie once we show you all of the bad things like here is the witch yes she looks just like you'd think a scary witch looks and we're straight out starting this movie with infanticide in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And uh, not a lot of movies start off with infanticide right mm, off the beginning. Nope. I think it's just this. Very few. <laughs> and uh, Face Off. Oh. In Face Off, Travolta's kid gets killed right away. Oh. But anyways, I like movies that make different choices than most movies make. And in this one, we have uh, the baby Samuel disappears right away. And I feel like in most movies, we would spend time looking for the baby or like, oh, it's around this corner. He's around this corner. Or there'd be some jump scares and some misdirects on the way. But that's how this movie differs from a lot of horror. And that's another thing. Everyone's like, this isn't a horror movie. I wasn't scared. Yeah. 
shut up yeah you don't need to like prove how tough you are <laughs> yeah. based on how scared you were in this movie also, also if you need to prove how tough you are you're never gonna admit that you were scared also categorizing movies to be like this is this and this isn't so therefore i don't like it yeah it's a good movie i love this movie it's a, but, it's a good movie um that's how this differs from a lot of other horror because it's not just the tension of what happened it's showing you exactly what happened in this case that baby being you know ground up and spread all over a witch it's less about what happened and more it's showing you what happened and just making you live with it mm -hmm. right it's not surprising in a lot of ways it is the typical witch it is the typical evil presence mm -hmm. and there's still a lot to be said for the unknown being scarier than the known. That's usually how I feel with most movies. But this movie isn't afraid of showing exactly what happens, making things quite explicitly, and just making you just sit there and think about it. And that this, because of all the attention to detail, because Eggers, we listened to a little bit of the commentary, and of course all he talks about is like what wood the ladder was made of, yeah, because that's yeah. the kind of guy he is. Of course he's a brilliant writer because he wrote this, and I think it's great. But he's so into that authenticity. And sometimes I feel like those can be wasted efforts. Like what do I get by knowing that's an authentic period ladder? Yeah. I don't gain anything no. from that. But maybe the sum of all of that... By making everything so real, when we then have something like baby's blood being rubbed on a broom, that feels real too. Mm -hmm. And that's got, that's where the terror of this movie comes in. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And then that's the same with like those very typical things. Like there's no surprise about what the witch looks like. It's exactly what you would think a scary witch would look yeah. like. But in this world and how this movie is constructed without having all of these, um, I know you wanted more to it, but I think by reining it in, these icons of horror, like a witch that looks like this, like a black goat, they come through so much stronger, mm -hmm. to me at least. I get what you're saying about like, I want more of the witch. I want more of the scary things. Yeah. I didn't. Hmm. And I think a lot of it comes through my my new reading about just following along Thomason's story. And then I'm like, why do I need all this scary stuff? I'm in it for, for yeah. Thomason's journey. Yeah. I guess I, it comes down to how I don't enjoy super slow movies as much as you do. And like, I get it. Like, I, I have an appreciation for this movie, but I don't love the slowness of some movies fair and this, again i don't think it was slow though. <laughs> um and i i say that i think that's a flaw on me because i feel like there's so many things i start and within the first like 15 minutes i stop watching it like things on netflix and stuff because i'm like it's just like not getting to the point i'm not hooked mm -hmm. and so i just let it go i feel like you give more of a chance maybe i just see a different point yeah so I would agree when there's things that don't get to the point. Like if you are making a uh, a popcorn horror and you're not showing me the, you're not giving me the scares. Yeah, I don't have patience for that. But I think what this movie is trying to do, or at least what worked for me, is done in that slowness. Mm -hmm. It is done in that world building and the family drama. Because 
to me, at least maybe it's because I've watched it multiple times yeah. now, but the family drama is is the key to me more mm-hmm. than the supernatural. And then the supernatural comes in as a kind of release at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I get that's why a lot of people didn't like this movie because you're expecting one thing and you're not getting that. Mm-hmm. Instead, you're getting the, the horror of puritanical life. And I feel like the slowness of the movie is essential to to demonstrating that type of life. Hmm. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Let's talk a little bit about what you had mentioned earlier, and that is nature or the wilderness being uh, one of the threats of this movie, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think throughout this, you get the idea of like, the rule is don't go in the forest. And I feel like there are so many horror based things or like supernatural based things where that is the rule like don't go in the forest that's where the bad things are um and it's like on you if you choose to go in there um you probably will die and so I feel like so much of the Puritan culture is like fear of the outside like even in the beginning when they're leaving Puritan town um you see that... I the, think it's Plymouth Plantation. Oh, is Which it? was an actual place. I think it is. Did okay. they mention that? I'm not sure. It doesn't say on the Wikipedia, so I, I just... It just says New England. So okay. I, I didn't assume that it had a name, but we'll call it Plymouth Plantation then. So as they're leaving, um, you see that like the town site or the plantation has a wall around it to keep the outside from getting in and also probably to keep the inside from getting out but um i think that that kind of goes throughout the movie uh with the woods and how the husband is lying to the wife saying that oh yeah we don't we never go in the woods and then he's hunting in the woods in order to keep the family alive and also um that it's kind of proved right because the witch is in the woods and i think um that it's it's like a, a good addition because like the fear of the unknown was such a huge part of their religion. Absolutely. Well said. <laughs> I, it felt really rambly to me. but <laughs> Oh, I feel rambly all the time. And then you say I made sense. So that's all you I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. It's all of that. And then it also is creating that isolation mm-hmm. of this movie yeah because so much of a modern horror one of the hardest parts is why don't they call the cops why don't they use their phone yeah. right you always had to write a way out of that yeah and when you get people in isolated situations yeah. like this because they first of all they're isolated from their people yeah. moving from england to plymouth now this family is further isolated from those people because they are uh, they've been excommunicated or banished or whatever mm-hmm. it is and they uh, there's nowhere to go. No. You have nowhere to run to because they have this forest around them that is the mother sees as a threat instantly. Mm-hmm. And it's I think so much of the best horror is in that isolation going from your alien to the shining, mm-hmm. right? They can't get out of that place. Yeah. And that's that's where that horror lives. Actually, there's a lot between this and the shining. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, it's It's true. It's the family drama, maybe there's supernatural stuff, maybe people are just going crazy. And the isolation and yeah. Huh. Creepy twins? Creepy twins. Um I also just wanted to say cuz um 
I like if you hadn't figured it out already, I listen to a lot of things about cults and extreme religion, and I find it really interesting. Um, isolation is a huge part of both of those. It breaks you down. It breaks you down. It stops you from understanding the world outside of you and that fear of the unknown is a large part of why people are so um like brainwashed into these places is because they have no frame of reference of anything else that's happening and yeah so i think that's really interesting how big a theme it is in this movie and i think you are doing a good job of connecting all of those things of actual psychology of how people are yeah. in in our modern society and broken down and um, indoctrinated or whatever it is indoctrinated that's the word i was looking for <laughs> <laughs> and then seeing how this director is using those things mm-hmm. that are uh, psychological not triggers but psychological uh, links that we have mm-hmm. and using that in a movie yeah Absolutely. That's why I think there's there are some directors who have that next level. It's not just speaking in the formal language of film, but uh, speaking to something uh, more intrinsic in in humanity, like yeah. things that we recognize as being scary or happy or joyful or whatever it is. In this case, terror inducing. Mm-hmm. He recognizes things that people have in them that we might not always be able to articulate ourselves. Yeah. But when we see them on screen, we know it's scary, even if you don't always know why it's scary. Mm-hmm. And I think we are ruining it now by like, let's talk about why is it scary? <laughs> like all those shots of the woods. Yeah. I love that when they show the woods, it's just a super slow creep forward like just a nice little i don't know if he's tracking or dollying or what but because of that it makes me look for things yeah it makes me think what's gonna pop out of there Mm -hmm. maybe that's because that's how we've been conditioned for other movies but maybe it's it's just seeing still woods like that there's something in us going back to um, when we had to fear from predators right yeah we have a fear and if it's stillness like that why is it so still all the birds have stopped because there's something out there to get us yeah and he does such a good job with those shots of the woods the woods are always taking up such a huge part of the screen they're looming they're ominous they're always there and then there's so much of the symbolic conflict between civilization and nature in this movie too mm-hmm. because the the greatest hubris perhaps of the of the puritans is not just that this religion is going to save us all but it's that we can just go there and conquer. Yeah. We can take over this land it's like I can live anywhere. And the same with um oh I forgot his name already. The dad William. William. Same with William, right? He Looking has Looking at you colonizers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <right? laughs> So, of course, the most uh, basic way is that they live next to this dark forest. It's tied to witchcraft. And that is a, a very immediate conflict with nature that's right there. And then we get into the nudity stuff because that is always seen as evil. But mm-hmm. nudity is natural. It's it is part of life. <laughs> it is the most natural a person could be. But here, nudity is associated with with the monstrous, with the uncivilized, mm-hmm. with... Um, heathens or hedonism or all of that sort mm-hmm. of stuff which of course to me i'm like yeah that sounds sweet but to them it is evil and things yes, to be yeah. to be feared and just as the sexual liberties of women to them are things to be are evil and things to mm-hmm. be feared which again to me I'm like yeah it's sweet <laughs> and he is william is constantly trying to conquer 
this wilderness. He doesn't really make any attempts to go, like, kill a witch. No. That never comes up. No, there's no hunt in this movie. Well, there is. We'll get into that <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I mean, there's no... The mom is definitely hunting witches. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, there is no day Thomason. when they go out and, like, hunt down the witch in the woods. Yeah. Um, but he is battling with nature constantly, and he's failing, right? He can't grow corn. He can't hunt that hare, which mm-hmm. is the witch, I assume, yes, right? yeah. At the time, hares were just as associated with the devil as goats were. Right. Yeah, so that's a, a good little thing in there, too, because we know Eggers does his homework. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I didn't... Um, I'm diverging again, but uh, we didn't talk about much of the production of this movie, but really briefly, he researched and wrote for five years before five years. making the movie. He was a guy that did a lot of, as you could probably tell from this, a lot of... um art direction and things for movies so uh-huh. he this was the first movie he ever wrote and directed he had oh. some shorts that i don't know about but he did a lot of other things in movies and you could tell that he has that uh keen eye for mm-hmm. uh, for set stuff especially mm-hmm. so he does a lot of art decoration then he wanted to make this movie uh nobody would fund it he researched and rewrote for five years eventually got funding at four million dollars which is very low budget for a feature at, oh yeah at this point in time but got it made, mostly was shot in uh, Ontario. There were some pickups that they shot in actual Massachusetts, but they couldn't afford to do it there. Right. And then he went to um, some festivals and then A24 bought it. So this is not like a, a production by them. I've oh. read a lot of people being like, oh, typical A24, you know, they have to do this. Like, no, he existed. This movie this existed. This movie existed before. And then they came in and uh, bought it. So it came out in festivals a year before it was seen anywhere else. So when I said I saw it in 2015, it was probably actually 2016 because I saw it in a, just a regular movie theater in Edmonton. Right. Yeah, it came out January 27, 2015 in Sundance. Yes. And, and then, then from, February 19th, 2016 in the US. So in Sundance, it's where it was sold. And right. uh, A24 bought it and they bought the distribution rights. Huh, okay. Uh, going back to whatever I was talking about, the wilderness. Yeah. Oh yeah, so Literal William is hunts. trying to uh, trying to conquer the wilderness. He can't grow corn; it's all moldy or whatever it is. He hasn't finished thatching his roof. He's failing, yeah, at his attempt of conquering nature. And I like that when he is in moments of weakness, when he feels impotent or powerless, he always goes and chops wood. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, this is the only thing he can do. He's failed at his manly and fatherly duties. And the only way he can conquer this wilderness that is destroying his family is to cut down a tree and chop the wood. That's the only part of wilderness and of this whole world that he has uh, any control over. And this might be a comment on the Protestant work ethic. If you read a lot of uh, older literature, it's there's a popular narrative that... um, Protestant work ethic is what built America. And of course, we know it's, you know, slavery and taking advantage of other people. But (laughs) there's some Protestant work ethic in there. But his Protestant work ethic is what kills him, right? When he's knocked down by Black Philip, the wood all falls on him. Yeah. And I like that little symbol. Yeah. Or maybe you could say that he's crushed beneath his own masculine pride. But it's, it's something in there. It's something along those lines for sure. I can see that. And just the idea that you cannot conquer nature. Right. I like that in here too. Yeah. 
What about the uh, visual look of this movie? It is very distinct. How did you like that? I appreciate a really well done like period piece. And I feel like some of the stuff that I watch, I enjoy because it is very like richly decorated. Um, This is like the opposite. And I feel like I appreciate it for the same reason is because it's got this like truth to it and this like feeling like you can feel how scratchy those beds would be or like you can feel how itchy her dress would be and you can feel like the damp draftiness of living in that house and I feel like that's such an important way to get the viewer on the page of the story like really quickly is by like playing to those like really specific feelings that come along with this time period and um I really appreciated just the attention to detail and how like anything that you have you make mm-hmm. except for her mother's silver cup but right. like I feel like anything like you want a ladder well you gotta go like find six trees and then cut them down and whittle them away so that they're smooth and somehow attach them and like so it's just the, like the the amount of work it would take to have a house like that with um all of the like possessions that they have you know that they made absolutely everything themselves and when you talk about being able to feel the scratchiness or smell the mustiness i think that starts lending itself into those uh, horror elements right Mm -hmm. because when you then start throwing a witch into there you have a same a similar visceral reaction to that Mm -hmm. absolutely so in this one also, they only use natural light. It's only, there's no... Um, movie you know, lighting. No, no movie lighting, just candlelight. <gasps> and I loved it. I felt so much of the candlelight stuff was my favorite visually mm-hmm. because it looks like all of that uh, Dutch golden age for painting. That's your um, Rembrandt and oh, stuff yeah. like that, those, those warm tones. And there's definitely a bunch of Goya in there for all you art history people. <laughs> but that's, that's the most typical thing. Like, of course it's Goya because he paints, you know... Uh, devil goats and all that sort of stuff right yeah I think um that's one thing that a lot of the period pieces I watch uh get wrong is how bright they make everything right because like when you think about it and I'm listening to a book right now that's set in like Tudor England and um they're talking about like the the arrow slits those are the windows in the room are like the arrow slits that um, they can like defend the castle through but aren't big enough for an arrow to like sail back through unless you're like a really good shot. And I just think about like how dark it actually would have been. Yeah. Because everything's candles and fireplaces. And I just think that uh, this got that really right because it is. It's, it's daylight and you do most of your working in the light because you don't have a way to see outside. And um, like the hesitancy of Thomason going out to feed the goats at night after everything's dark and they've kind of shut it's down the just farm. just moonlight. That'd be terrifying. It would be terrifying. And it would be dangerous too yeah. because she doesn't have a way of transporting light with her to keep herself safe and see where she's stepping. And I think that that also adds a a scariness to this movie because you like physically cannot light the night up and make it feel safer. So there's like the darkness is scary as well. And then even when we are in daylight, 
every moment of this movie is overcast and drab. Yeah. There is no sunny days. No. There are no blue skies or green grass. For a movie that takes place out in the wilderness, you'd expect green and blue. Yeah. None, None of either of them. No. That's one thing. I might take a little bit of an issue with, I thought it was a little too desaturated and low contrast. Uh -huh. I would... I, and I know that's for a good effect, and a lot of people very much love it, but I would go a little more contrast and a little more saturation. I know it's supposed to be drab, but it was a little too drab for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing, speaking of color, that I noticed, and we see the witch once in her like seductress form. Wearing which color? Wearing red. Of course. Um, and wearing very um, like unnatural colors. Mm -hmm. like, like The only other time we're going to see that is in the blood. Exactly. And Thomason and her mother are wearing these like drab kind of natural colors. Yeah. And that's because like dyeing clothing just like wasn't a thing unless you were rich or evil. <laughs> and so when we see the witch, she's wearing like a silk bodice and like she's wearing very rich looking fabric she's living deliciously she's living deliciously and um she's wearing a lot of things that you probably would have seen in england and part part of the reason why the puritans left was this kind of like wealth of um things and fabrics and that kind of thing and so i think it's really fun that we get to see the witch tempting um, Caleb away because she's dressed in a way that is like totally opposite to how the Puritans are dressed and she's like done up in this like beautiful way and that would be seen as like pridefulness and like sinful and she is literally sin that's another shining similarity a beautiful temptress who turns out to be old and decrepit yeah what a shining a lot of shining Interesting. And then I think the visuals, we might get into Bergman and Dreyer one day. Those are a little less accessible, but if you watch the works of um, Carl Theodore Dreyer, you'll see a lot of this stuff too. Hmm. Okay. I feel like this has been four-hour movies where I really like to uh, get into it <laughs> yeah. and like see a bunch of stuff. I feel like this has been a very disjointed effort at that. And maybe that is... Some of the criticisms of the movie is like they're just kind of doing all sorts of stuff and there's lots of good things. Mm -hmm. But does it actually make one big cohesive thing at the end? And maybe that's something that I, I could see as a criticism of it. And we talked about his movie, The Lighthouse, as well, which, mm -hmm. again, I loved you. You like this better than The Lighthouse, though, right? Oh, way better, yeah. Okay. <laughs> way, way better. <laughs> I, I liked both of them very much. And The Lighthouse had so many things where it's like, and this means this, and this means this. And I had a great time doing that. But is there one overarching thing I'm not as sure about? Or perhaps what I think is probably the case is just that I miss it. Right. I think that's a good opportunity. But since we're kind of all over the place, do you have just little things you wanted to bring up that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Yeah, um, I don't know. On the thing that you were just saying, um, I think that this movie does a good job of like, if you don't know as much about the Salem witch trials and like extreme religion and what was happening in England at that time, you can watch this movie and still enjoy it. Um, and not see all, all the things, right? Like, it's still like a spooky movie. Um, 
I think because we have this like wealth of knowledge on a few subjects that come up in this, that this movie ends up being a lot of different things. And I think as the average viewer who may not have that knowledge, I don't think that they would get stuck in that kind of thing. That's fair. And also this movie is, of course, a product of of our world because Mm -hmm. it was made in 2015. But the story is not a product of the Salem witch trials and everything like that. It's a precursor to all of that. And I think that's important, too, because... Uh, you know what, I might be, I may have just thought of something that maybe I'll figure out and I'll talk about at the end. But this is the story that those people would have heard. Right. Okay, I think I got it now. <laughs> I think I might have understood the movie. Okay. Other little things in here, though. Yes. I thought the hardest part of this movie to watch, although I forgot about the baby. I don't know how I forgot about that. That was hard. But was the mother attacking Thomason. Yes. That was a brutal scene. And that's something that you see building throughout the movie, though. Yeah. And like you said earlier, like way earlier, um, you see the mother start to hate her daughter because she is everything or she's becoming everything even like kind not against her will but like without trying that the mother isn't anymore the mother has lost her looks and she is just bearing children now and that's it and i think and has lost her last one yeah and i think you see thomason with her like life ahead of her um possibly going off to be with another family and i think that the mother wishes that she could get away too Oh, absolutely, because she talks about going, wanting to go back to England. Yeah. But I think that's a... I don't know if we didn't put a fine enough point on it when we were talking at the beginning about that particular reading, but that is such a great representation of women hating women. Yeah. Right? Women being a part of that uh, that patriarchal structure. And in this way, it manifests itself in, in, in jealousy. like mm-hmm. Just as the, the witch is that dichotomy of like, we don't like the old ugly crone. We don't like the sexually liberated temptress. Those are the two forms of evil. That is so much of what so much of the world thinks of the evil of women is like, we don't want this overly sexual person. And then once you're old, you're useless to us. Yeah, exactly. And she is becoming that first part. She's getting into into her sexual maturity and is seen as, as a threat Yeah. Not just this should be a time where she is being celebrated as becoming a woman. Mm -hmm. But in this world and this world in the world, becoming a woman is is a threat. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think I'm really just kind of going with that one reading because that's what works for me. And since you agree, we don't have a a different uh, argument against that. But to me, most of this movie is a representation of how the Puritan world saw women with how the family treated her, each different person seeing her as a threat or evil in a different way, and then drawing those links to our present world where all of that is still happening. I think that's the the clearest uh, theme to me, at least. Mm-hmm. But when she has to kill her own mother, of course, it's a, a commentary on, on all of that, but the her mother turning on her, that is. But then when she has to stop her mother and 
killer in doing so. And she's saying, I love you. I love you. Yeah. As her mother is strangling yeah. her. And she has no choice but to kill her. Yeah. That was was brutal. And it's almost maybe a commentary on how the biggest betrayal is women who are misogynists themselves. Yeah. Right? Because you're like, we expect it from dudes. They've been doing this. Yeah. But you, you're on our side. Yeah, you're And a woman. the mom should be someone. It should be her champion in this. Mm-hmm. A mother should do that for her daughter. And she's uh, the furthest from that. Yeah. And absolutely. that was a, yeah, that was a brutal scene. Yeah. And that led into another thing that I really enjoyed about this movie are those little quiet moments there's like little eye of the storm moments Mm -hmm. like when they get locked in the pen together and the kids are like are you a witch i'm not a witch and it's just kind of like quiet yeah for a moment because like that is this world and of course you had issue with how quiet it is before that but that's that's the world they live in true and i loved it when it took place between those moments of action and then after she kills her mom she lays there for a bit and then she goes and gets undressed another um, kind of becoming more natural and leaving her Puritan world uh, behind. And she goes to sleep. Hmm. And I love that. It's just such a great human touch and a a change of pace that I know a lot of people have issues with the pacing of this movie. I do not. I think it was great, but it's a moment for this human who's been going through so much, just try to recuperate Mm -hmm. from all of it. Yeah, she goes through a lot at the end of the movie. And even, like, throughout, throughout the, movie. the movie. But um, it's nice to see her have kind of an ending, um, that she's found, like, a group of people that you assume aren't going to be as restrictive as her parents. And uh, I I felt, like, a sense of relief as she was walking off to the witches. Okay, let's wait. I want to wait on the ending till the end. Okay, okay. Do you have any other last things before Not we get into this? really. The We've kind of talked about everything that I had. One question I had is, so you don't believe that Thomason was corrupted earlier in the movie and was working for the devil or the witch or whatever it is? No. I agree. Who has signed the book? What do you mean? So you sign the book, of course, yeah. to uh, your contract with the devil. Yes, yeah. Thomason does it at the end of the movie. Has anyone else in this movie signed the book? I don't think so. Like, just the witch? I assume. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I assume that the coven has all signed the books. I don't think anybody in her family has. I think the mother has. You think so? So she is um, distraught. She Her child is dead. She wants to go back to England. Uh. And then her 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 second child dies. Yeah. And she has that hallucination where both of her children come back to her. Right. I think. Now, there's all those other readings. Like, maybe it's grief. Maybe it's ergot poisoning. Whatever. But I think that at her weakest, the devil tempts her with what she wants most. And what would she want most? To see her children. Yeah. So I think in a scene that we don't see, she signs the book. Maybe it presents itself very differently to her, but she makes some sort of contract because we see her have that dream with her two children and they're both back and she's breastfeeding her child. And then that cuts to a a raven or a crow pecking at her breast, which is a, um, that's an old folklore thing. Uh If you are feeding 
I, I think it's usually birds, but I think it's also like goats, cats, whatever, like all the familiars of the yes, of the yeah. devil. That is a contract with the devil. Yes. So I think she has made that contract. Either she made the contract to get that hallucination and then believes that, that is what happened. Yeah. Or that hallucination itself is the devil trying to get the contract because the suckling is the contract itself. Yeah, I could also see an argument for her having signed the book when she was younger and now she's trying to atone throughout her life and also push the blame off of herself, which is why she's accusing Thomason. Interesting. She's like, it's not me. It's the girl. And it clearly isn't me. And I definitely didn't do anything wrong. And then I think the father has not. No, I don't think so. He... I think he... Poor man is just like being driven mad by his circumstances. What I think is a nice touch is they don't make him so evil. Like he's not clearly he has made mistakes and is bad at being a dad. Yes. But they could very easily have made him be um, this tyrant who's hating everyone. And that would kind of uh, yeah. elicit a lot of sympathy for Thomason even more so. Yeah. But we don't need it from there. No. He... In his way. I believe he's trying to do his best. Right. I think that's true. Yes. And even when the twins accuse Thomason of being a witch, he doesn't believe it. He's like, no, promise me you're not. Okay, you're not. I believe you. Yeah. So he's on the scale of the people in the family. He's on the good side. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he has. And then he does, of course, uh, have that moment of repentance where he is uh, his... Sin would be pride, of course. The mother's yeah. sin would be envy, yeah. I guess. And I think they're all sinners in their own way. Nice. Only Thomason admits it at the beginning. True. What about the twins? <laughs> they did What <laughs> of the twins is them being bad kids? What is them actually being affected by the devil? And what, or have they made a deal with the devil? I don't think they've made a deal with the devil. I think... It kind of harkens back to like the supernatural idea of children being more conducive to seeing that kind of thing, like more conductive to like supernatural things. Sure. Um, because they have like untouched minds or like whatever. Uh, and I think they are seeing or like hearing the devil or having conversations with him because at that point, they are the only ones the devil can communicate with because they are young. But isn't having that back and forth communication a sort of contract with the devil? Because it's not always you're going to sell your soul and you're going to be a witch. Yeah. It can be like, yeah, join with me and we're just going to have fun and play. Yeah. I feel like they've gotten that far. Because have they actually been hearing Black Phillip is my question. I think they have. So then they have been talking to the devil and not talk, telling anyone. True. That's something. Yeah. For a Puritan, if you're just hanging out talking with the devil. Yeah. Talking with someone. Maybe they don't know that he's the devil. But living the way they live, if a goat's talking to you, <laughs> yeah, they would know that there's something up with that. True. It's been ingrained into them, I'm sure. So I think there's something there for sure. Mm-hmm. Do you know what happens to them at the end? No. Me neither. They're just gone. They're just gone. We just assume that they are dead. I have no idea. Hmm. I wish that's one thing I wish. I wish I had something about that. 
Yeah. Even if I just saw the dead bodies or something and I didn't know how they died, but I feel like there should be something. Or maybe that is part of it. Maybe because they have had a contract, they didn't need to be killed. Yeah. Maybe the fact that we don't see their bodies lends to the idea that they have made a pact with Black Phillip. Mm-hmm. And then they're safe. Safe in, for safe now until they de- die and go to hell. Yeah. I assume. Is that what happens? I don't know. I assume so. Caleb, I think, has resisted it, right? He didn't sign any book. No. I think that he, of course, his sin would be lust because he he yeah. doesn't really do anything too bad, but he like, looks at his sister a little I, bit. And I think that's just and like then, a natural part of maturing. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. He's curious and confused because he has, of course, no context for no. any of the feelings he is feeling. And I think the only thing that he's been taught is that like sexuality is bad. Yeah. Like, he, he probably doesn't even know what literally sexuality is. No, it's just like... That's why there's so many people the who The hormones are... of being a like preteen boy. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, his sin is lust. The witch attempts to uh, to bring him in yeah. by being this beautiful woman and kissing him. But it seems to me like he fought it off. Yeah. Because then when he dies, first of all, that scene was one of the single greatest performances I've seen. His death scene when he gives that speech about yeah. Jesus and he's a uh, euphoric. Yeah. That was amazing it was yeah. fantastic that kid is was so good i don't know what else i could say but it's it's very impressive but when he is having that speech that also seems sexual mm-hmm. he like the sounds he makes are of pleasure yes yeah and he is talking about jesus's lap and of bathing in his blood it's all very sensuous stuff yeah and I don't know what to make from that. I don't have a, a anything clever to say. Like, oh, because he was lustful and then he, that's his salvation. I don't know. I yeah. have nothing. But th- he is kind of ruled by lust, I think mm-hmm. we could say. Or will be. Well, now he won't because he's dead. No, he's dead. But yeah. And then he coughs up the apple. Yeah. And, and like the apple is like a classic sign of witch, right? Like back in like fairy tales and stuff. Oh, you're going like Snow White Apple. Yeah. And that's Oh, I was going um Garden of Eden Apple. Oh yeah, that makes sense too. Like the that was there's so many original sins. I can't keep track with Christianity. But that was like the big sin, right? Was Eve ate the forbidden fruit and that was their cast being casted away from the Garden of Eden. And yeah. you could argue that them first the Puritans were cast away from England and now they have been cast away from the plantation so right. there's those themes you could say that he's always uh, uh, talking about an apple tree there's mm-hmm. this uh, mythic apple tree that never happened so then that could come into his lying you could make an argument that when he and Thomason go out into the forest there's a bunch of Adam and Eve stuff there mm-hmm. but I don't know there's so much <laughs> there's so much there's so much but yeah and then you're talking about the fairy tale stuff mm-hmm. And the idea of an apple, like the temptation of an apple, which I think also like yeah, that's... stems from the Garden of Eden and like biblical stuff. But um, you get the idea that like an innocent gift like that is your undoing and that it comes from evil. Yeah. So don't accept apples from strangers. In the Bible, they never say it's an apple. Oh, true. I think it's a pomegranate huh. from how it sounds, but whatever. <laughs> I don't know where the Garden of Eden was located, so I don't know what their local fruit is. <laughs> Although I guess they had everything. 
Yeah, I think it was like a conglomeration of all of God's Oh, maybe then it was like a papaya. Oh, maybe. Mango. (laughs) If that's all it takes to get you uh, kicked out, man, I eat... I could be tempted with fruit very oh, easily. Oh, yeah. Fruit is your If just some point. guy was like, hey, want this mango? I'd be like, yes. And I would eat it. I feel like wine is how I'm tempted. Mm. Made from like, fruit. Hey, you want to you want a glass of wine? Yeah, true. <laughs> fruit mm-hmm. wine. One other little thing I have written down is that, you know how you were talking about like your goth, quote unquote, goth phase was just um, watching Interview with a Vampire? Yeah. Mine was appropriate for the type of nerd i am i learned about um enochian and stuff so enochian is a, a language that they claimed was what angels spoke but oh, right. they did write the the entire language the witches at the end are chanting in enochian oh are they and that's an interesting thing because i'm sure i don't really know that much about this but if it's the language of the angels to have these servants of the devil speaking in it is an interesting dissonance and maybe like a lot of this movie it's saying that our ideas of good and evil are much more of a horseshoe right they come together in the end yeah Hmm. because the uh, the extreme good as it's portrayed is 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 terrible in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah hmm it's like a lot to think about. There's so much. Yeah. I, and I feel like I'm doing such a bad job of actually making any points. It's just a lot of, what about this? <laughs> and I feel like I could go on for what about this is for another couple of hours. But Forever. we should get to the ending. Yeah, I think so. So my first and maybe my second watch through, my biggest criticism of this movie was the ending. Yes. I didn't like how explicit it was. And... I always talk about how I love movies that exist in those gray areas that leave everything to the imagination. And in the past, I thought that they shouldn't have shown the witch so much early on. And this time, it was very different. This time, I loved Mm -hmm. the ending. This time, I was overjoyed with the ending. (laughs) And um, remember, I, I clapped... Yeah, you did. You clapped at the end. I was in the right state of mind, if Indy's you know a, what I mean. Indy's a, a movie clapper now. I am so silent in every movie, and I don't uh, like to tip my hand of what I'm going to talk about on the podcast. Yes, like we we don't, like I think we've said this before, when we watch a movie, we often don't chat a lot during the movie, and then also we just like move on to other things right after we're done moving. We're and we watching. don't talk about whether we liked it or not no. because that's what the podcast is yeah. for. But I couldn't help it. I was in the exact right place <laughs> and I loved that ending. And I think because this time I watched this as Thomason's movie. Right. In the past, it was a horror movie about supernatural forces, fucking with a family. And this time... I think the title made so much more sense to me because Mm -hmm. the first time I see the title, The Witch, and right away I see The Witch. And you're like, okay, that's the movie. This movie is about that witch. Mm -hmm. It's not. The Witch is Thomason. Yeah. The story is Thomason's. And when you watch it that way, it's so much more enjoyable. And thinking that, this ending, which I thought was too much before, is the culmination of this woman who has been the victim of every disservice you could imagine. This woman who is 
the stand-in for women everywhere and how they are unfairly treated. And now we get to see her... I get it that it is her fall Mm -hmm. to a lot of people, but when you're on the journey with Thomason, this is her liberation. Others see this as a story of a girl being manipulated into doing the devil's bidding, but I think that's a disservice to what she has gone through and how her character has grown because she's been... um, taken from her homeland, taken from everything she knows. She lives out there. She's blamed for everything. And we never see her laugh in this movie. She laughs at the beginning when she's playing peekaboo. Yeah. And now we get to see her. Her face is illuminated in orange, one of the few colors we get to see. And she's euphoric. She's got like joy on her face. And it's so hard for me, even with everything we've seen, it's so hard for me to condemn her as failing or being lost at this point. It seems to me like this character has been found. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was beautiful. I just loved it so much. <laughs> I love the ending of this movie. And I think it really wraps up the entire thing of her struggle throughout this movie and finding someone who, or like a group of someone's who accept her. And that where she, like, the idea that she floats without doing this, like, ritual. She free is, like, found where she's meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's a really nice way to end a movie that is full of repression and, like, strife. But then is that us having our uh, feminist reading of it taking over too much? Because we are cheering for someone who has signed her soul to the devil mm-hmm. yeah or is that the brilliance of this movie that i can make you cheer for that it can start off with a baby being ground up and yeah. then have you cheer for someone who is then choosing that life yeah that's a big stretch it is a big stretch but but it gets you there right it gets you there it totally gets you there and by the end you're cheering for thomasine to not be part of this repressed patriarchal society and that she's getting out to anything is like a happy ending is this just a message to religious people of like hey if you push too hard they're going all the other way yeah (laughs) so quit it yeah exactly there's so much that could be said about that ending too like there's i and i don't know where to land on it yeah me neither but i i liked the ending Because it seems like a happy, joyful ending. It does. But it's not. Is it? I don't know. I feel like this is also like a reading of like the witch gets the happy ending. Which witch? It's just the the witches. That's the happy ending. Thomason, it seems, gets a happy ending. But then if we believe all of their like Calvinist beliefs from early on, that ending this happiness is not the ending, but rather very short-lived, and then she'll have eternal damnation mm-hmm. to pay for for her happiness now. And someone like the mother, assuming she didn't sign the book, maybe she did, or the father then, who yeah. has uh, damned his whole family. Yeah. Literally, not literally, because damnation means a different thing to them, has uh, led to the deaths of his whole family. Yeah. He will then be rewarded with eternal happiness in heaven? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. 
who gets the happy ending? Because to a Puritan, your death is not the end. It is the beginning yeah. in a lot of ways. And Thomason, the Thomason we know has died. And this is a, a type a, of resurrection. A rebirth, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either, but I like it. Yeah. Earlier on, you said something and I was like, oh, that makes me think about everything. And I have a point now. What did you say? <laughs> you expect me to remember what I said? <laughs> and then I'll make up a point. Ooh, I don't know. I can't remember what we were talking about. The folktale part of it. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't remember the exact point I was making. Well, I think I had just kind of forgotten about that subtitle, right. A New England Folktale. Yes. Yeah. So you get like little pieces of fairy tales or like folktales of like many different stories, I felt like. I feel like it's less of a look at all these little bits of folktales, mm -hmm. but that this, this is the folktale. Yeah. Right? We only see that framing, that title of um, a New England folktale at the beginning and the end, but I just kind of dismiss it. I didn't really think about yeah. that. Because I don't think about the title as much when you're watching a movie. No. But when you think about it, it can really color how you look at the movie because this movie is just that. It's it's the folktale. This is the tale that will be told over the next few generations. Mm -hmm. This is the worst case scenario. Yes. This is the story that people are going to use at the Salem witch trials to justify things. Yes, absolutely. I love that. And I didn't really think about it, that this is the folktale. We are inserting this into the past. This is the cautionary tale. Yeah, this is the tale that sets up those roots of um, mm -hmm. religion uh, and that um, confluence with the misogyny, the jealousy of women who are going to like usurp your roles as an older woman, the blaming of women for corrupting men just yeah. by looking how by they existing. look. We look at all of those things and we talk about, me and you talk yeah. about how this is reflecting of our society now and that's clever writing. But this is the folktale. So we have to look at this as this was the story that really happened or the tale, the folktale mm -hmm. that created all of that. Right. This is the Puritan nightmare, right? I think Eggers referred to this movie as yeah. a Puritan nightmare. This is it, right? This is the witch is real, but also all of those other things are real too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what he's saying in the that he has put in that missing piece. Right. Like what could have generated all of this terrible stuff? This folktale. Mm -hmm. He's creating the reason for it. Right. Rather than say all of the things that I have learned have led me to write this. He's going before it and saying this happened. This folktale existed in that world and that created all of the terrible things that would follow after it. Right. Hmm. That kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, it makes sense. Sorry, I'm just thinking about it because it's new thought to me. But yeah, no, I, I think I agree with that. Maybe that's where we end things. Maybe, yeah. A New England folktale. It's right in the it's title. It's a folktale. And this is the worst case scenario. And this is going to fuel... This is going to push the Puritans who live in the plantation even farther into their religion because they say, look what happens when you leave yeah. the plantation. And then everyone's going to be like, well, I'm never leaving the plantation. I'm never getting myself into a situation where I'm forced to leave the plantation like them. And if we're in the folktale world, 
all of the things that they accused her of is kind of true because she becomes a witch at the end. Yes. I'm sure the part that she was driven to be a witch, that's always what gets lost, Mm -hmm. right? So all of the hardships she faced from her own family, the all the misogyny that is in this movie yeah. is proven like, yeah, exactly. That's what we should do yeah. because look what happened. And that's what happens. Yeah. It's a folk show. Well. I don't know. Should we just end there? I could talk I think... for a long time, but I also had to get going. Yeah, you have to go to <laughs> hockey and we have to eat dinner between now and then. So I think this is a good place to end. So one last thing, though. I yeah. still love this movie i think it's beautifully made we didn't talk nearly enough about the acting but we could shortly say that everyone is amazing we didn't even talk about anya taylor joy's performance which was just everyone in this movie was incredible she was shockingly great this is her like debut performance and she seems like someone who's been acting for years already she was amazing yeah one of the best performances i've seen in one of the movies we've done on here in quite some time and then, um, what's his name? Scrimshaw, the Caleb. Yeah. Amazing as well. Yeah, absolutely. All of them. All of them were great. Everyone was great. But uh, let's wrap up because we will talk for a very long time. Forever. And, oh, I was going to say the one last thing I wanted to ask you was, what do you think now? You're still at a 7 out of 10? I'll give it like a 7.5 out of 10. Oh. <laughs> you gained that 0. 0.5. Yeah. Wow. If you watched this movie and were like a 7.5, what I suggest to you, and I know this is a very hard sell (laughs) if you only liked a movie 7 out of 10, and it's not the easiest movie, watch it again. It gets so much better. It gets better every time I watch it. I think I may have peaked because how could it be better than that last time? I I loved it so much. Yeah, I I think... Watching it again definitely has its merits. We watched, we accidentally watched it all over again um, today before we recorded because we usually like to review a little bit and then we ended up just watching the whole thing. But um, not like a real watch because no, we were doing we stuff. We were doing stuff still, but it was still on. Getting and reacquainted with the plot. I feel like there were things that I noticed that I didn't the first time around. So I think it's definitely worth a rewatch. And maybe you'll want to rewatch it after you hear what we had to say. Yeah, go watch it right now. <laughs> and. Is that the end of Spooktober? This is the end of Spooktober. All right. What do we got coming up for November's next? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> November doesn't have a fun name because we don't know what it's going to be yet. What's no. it going to be, Samantha? So our theme for November is going to be my favorite musical. It's specifically my favorite musical and not just musicals? I guess it's just musicals. Okay. But <laughs> like, I love this. You should do. should be the one that you love. So. Rave, right. I just want to make sure that the entire month was not devoted to your specific favorite musical. No, no, no. Okay. Just musicals. Sorry. The theme is musicals. All right. (laughs) It's going to be musical November. We will think of a way to combine those two words together hopefully by the end by the next episode. I'm excited for musicals. Um, I will come with a musical thing of the week next week we both will and then we'll learn what your big musical favorite musical is that we'll be watching the week after yeah when i do things of the week i might stretch what a musical is a little bit i might for my big pick too who knows great i like to do my pick based on what yours is and to have kind of yeah 
to tie them together. Yeah. Well, I uh, don't want to give you any hints, but it is a, a musical that I have loved since I was a child. But until then, happy Spooktober, everybody. Happy Halloween. Go run naked in a forest. It'll be good for you. (laughs)